This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is How does this tax reform affect me? We have a lot of questions from people about the new statutes, the new code. This is the biggest tax reform that we've seen in probably 30 years. And a lot of people are wondering how this actually affects them. So with me today, I have Kelsey Banky. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you, Mary. Kelsey's a certified financial planner with us at Stirk Financial Services. And we're going to talk a little bit about how some of the provisions of the new tax reform affect you as individuals. Now, this, of course, is not meant to cover every single change in the tax code. And really, you need to rely on your own CPA to know how things are going to affect you. But there are some significant changes that are actually very beneficial. And there are some places in the tax code that are not going to be so beneficial for you. And we want to just kind of talk about them to let people know what to expect and kind of understand how to interpret the effect on their own pocketbook, which is really what we all mostly care about. (laughs) Right? (laughs) All right. So let's jump in. The tax reform is actually called the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So it's kind of a mouthful, but when you see it referred to as TCJA, which is kind of the code for it now, that means Tax Cut and Jobs Act, and that's what it stands for. Now, of course, the the biggest thing I would say, and Kelsey, you know, I guess you've talked to a lot of people too, but would you agree that the biggest thing that people are wondering is how it affects their individual tax brackets? Yes, I would definitely say that's that's one of the hot topics. And partly because they were bouncing around from a lot of different ideas as right. they were trying to create this. Mm-hmm. And they did settle on uh, seven brackets, just like what we had before. We had seven brackets, income brackets before. We'll have seven in- income brackets under the new act. But the uh, percentage of tax rate yep. has gone down two to three percent, just depending on which bracket you're in. So uh, the, the bottom bracket is still 10 percent. They didn't change anything there. Um, but the brackets above that are 12 percent, 22 percent, 24 percent, 32 percent, 35 percent, and then the top bracket uh, capping out at 37 percent. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because in these seven tax brackets, most of the rates drop two or three points lower than the ones that they were before. However, some of the top rates are not quite so favorable. (laughs) So you still have high tax brackets, even though most of them went down a couple of points. So generally speaking, at any given level of income, you're going to go down two to three percent. But the ones that are going to go up are going to be in those higher tax brackets, kind of in the upper middle brackets. It's kind of weird. So Like if you were in a lower tax bracket and you dropped by 3%, that just means that there's going to be more money in your paycheck or more money in your pocket. You get to keep more of the money that you've made or earned, which is awesome. But if you're in the upper middle brackets, then you actually on some of your income saw it go up a couple of points. Now that's probably going to be offset by some of the other things that we're going to talk about. But if you are typically, if you typically were in like the 33% bracket, then some of your money has gone up to 35. So you're the ones that are mostly affected by this. So, you know, the interesting thing about this is that this was not something 
that was really completely skewed towards wealthier people, the biggest tax cuts actually went to some of the lower brackets, which is kind of neat. I think that's great for, for middle America and for a lot of us out there who operate in the middle tax brackets. So, okay. So one of the things that didn't change, and we get a lot of questions about, are the capital gains rates. And the capital gains rates did not change. So those are exactly the same as they were before. So if you are somebody that normally was paying capital gains rates, then your capital gain rate and then the 3.8% net investment income tax that was created a few years ago, that's unchanged. You've still got that tax to pay, and it's still exactly the same rate. So no changes there. But I would say probably the biggest change that most people are going to feel is the difference in the exemptions and the deductions that they can take on their tax return. And I don't know, Kelsey, are you getting the most questions about this so far? Uh, yeah, this one is, is another hot topic where trying to understand because there's some things that went away there's some things that went up <laughs> what does that net out in the end and then yep. you compile that with the credits and I, you know taxes i'm gonna pick on them again they're confusing um and they maybe don't have to be this confusing but they are so um they got rid of the personal independency exemption so it used to be 4150 um so four thousand one hundred fifty dollars uh, for you your spouse independence under the new law, there's no personal exemptions. So let's talk about what an exemption is for just a second. Exemption means that money is exempt from paying taxes. It means you don't have to pay taxes on that dollar amount. So before, you could make $4,100 worth of income, and that just didn't even factor into the taxes. It just came right off the top of your earnings and was completely exempt from the taxes. Now that $4,150 is included in the amount that you're going to have to pay taxes on. Now, deductions are totally different, and deductions mean that you get to deduct a certain amount and you don't have to pay taxes on that too, but the total amount is still inside of what's called the above the line or the adjusted gross income, or the before you adjust your gross income, I should say. So the biggest issue with the standard deductions is that they have increased and increased significantly, which is kind of awesome. So here's who it's awesome for. It's awesome for people who were not itemizing their deductions. If you were itemizing, it remains to be seen if this is awesome. <laughs> and if you're not itemizing, for sure it's awesome. <laughs> and here's why. So before, if you weren't itemizing any of your deductions and you were married, filing jointly, you had a standard deduction of $13,000. Now that's gone up to $24,000. And Kelsey, what did it do for the single people? For single, it went from a standard deduction of six thousand five hundred uh, up to a deduction of twelve thousand dollars. So not quite double, but pretty close. Yeah, so that's a pretty big deal, right? So when you itemize, that's because you had other things that you were able to write off, maybe like mortgage interest or dependency credits or education things or things like that. And we're going to talk about those in a few minutes. But if you weren't itemizing, then this giant increase in the standard deduction is a big win for you on your taxes. It's doubling the amount of money almost that you don't have to pay taxes on. So that's a huge thumb 
thumbs up in my book. <laughs> Absolutely. This if if you were not itemizing before, this is a big deal for you. Absolutely. If, like Mary said, if you were itemizing before, it it really just depends on what level you are getting above the standard deduction through your itemizing, um, as to whether or not this is going to be something in your favor or it's going to be the same old hat for you. Yep. So I think it's kind of interesting, you know, people are falling into a couple of different camps. If you are itemizers, then you need to do some more research. Either talk to us, reach out to us to ask questions about it, or reach out to your CPA to see which itemized deductions you were taking that you're not going to be able to anymore. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're again talking about how does this tax reform affect me? Now, we talked a little bit about how the brackets changed and some things to be aware of in terms of your deductions, your standard deductions changing. But now we're going to talk to those of you who are the itemizers. So on your taxes before, if you were itemizing your deductions, this is perhaps where the biggest changes have come in that are going to affect the most number of people. So let's talk about a few of them and just kind of give you an overview of what to expect. All right, let's talk medical expenses. On medical expenses, you still can deduct your medical expenses. However, you used to be able to deduct them if you went over 10% of your adjusted gross income with a new law. Now they only have to be over 7.5% again. Okay, so there's some changes that will happen over the years to that. But the important thing to know is for 2018, the number is seven and a half percent. So if you have a lot of medical expenses and, you know, I just had this happen last year. My son had ACL surgery. And then about the time that he was recovered from that, he got in a car accident and had a bunch of medical expenses with that. So for, you know, for sure in his tax returns, it went well over seven and a half percent. So that's a deduction that's still there for you to take. Okay, Kelsey, tell us a little bit about how the state and local taxes change. Sure, Mary. So before uh, pre-existing law, it was you could deduct uh, income or sales tax, real property tax, personal property tax, all of that. Um, You can still do that, but there's a limit to it, which for married filing jointly would be $10,000. If you are married filing separately or or single, it'd be $5,000. So still there, but there's a limit to it. Um, which is kind of what we're seeing on a lot of stuff is that the limits are just changing. It's still there to some degree, but changing in a little, a little bit. So I like to bring that home for people. Like we live in the state of South Dakota and in South Dakota, there's no state income tax. So that's not a differentiator on my federal return, but property taxes certainly are. So if you live in a state where you are paying state income taxes and property taxes and things like that, you probably are have a likelihood of going over that $10,000 or that $5,000 number. So this is where something that certainly could impact you going forward. Now, another thing is on the home mortgage interest. So that's the biggest deduction that people usually worry about taking on their taxes. That's the one that makes people itemize the most often. And so before, you were limited to a million dollars. (laughs) which you could deduct. So most of us didn't really have a problem with going over that limit. Um, But now you're limited to 750,000, which is 
half of that if you're married filing separately. And home equity loans are no longer allowed to be able to deduct the interest on the home equity loans. So that's a big change too. So a lot of people used to, if they were going to borrow money for something, they would borrow money as a home equity loan because they would be able to deduct the interest. That's off the table, folks, for the new tax code. So um, taking a home equity loan out on your house to get the tax break isn't going to be a strategy that's going to work for you going any further. Um, But I do want to make a special note on this. My understanding is that the limits on that in the home equity loans that you have, if they were in place, if your debt was incurred before the end of 2017, or I should say before December 16th of 2017, I think you still have the opportunity to deduct that home equity loan uh, debt. So talk to your CPA about that because there's going to be some distinctions in exactly what you can and can't do. But old debt probably can still deduct it. New debt as a home equity loan off the table. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, casualty and theft losses, Kelsey. Yep. So this is one that um, got a little more attention, I think, recently than it maybe would have in other years just because we've had the hurricanes. Yeah. We've had the wildfires. We've had um, flooding in some places that got Mm -hmm. too much rain too fast. Um, So this was one that people were paying attention to. It's something that used to be able to be deducted where losses um, due to theft and casualty. Um, now it has to be a federally declared disaster. So if the, the federal government comes in and declares it a, you know, a disaster, then you'll still be able to deduct some um, ex- costs that were incurred with that. If it's state um, or not declared in any way, if it's something else, then those um options to deduct those things come off the table at that point. Personally, I think that's the one that kind of stinks the most, right? Because if you have a fire, and it's, of course, not a federal disaster, now you can't deduct that on your taxes, your losses from it. And for goodness sake, that's already enough of a big deal for people now to have the tax ramification taken away. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious to know what their thoughts were behind this one. I'm sure, you know, some really good reason for it. I don't know. I don't know. But it just, yeah, it's like kick you when you're down on this one. Yeah, it is. So if I'm going to voice dissatisfaction with something, I don't like that part of it at all. (laughs) All right. So another couple of things that are, are nice, especially Um, a lot of our listeners are very charitable oriented and make charitable contributions that are things that you'd be itemizing on your return. And you're still going to be able to itemize your charitable deductions. But what's great about this, and, and this is probably one of my favorite parts of the new tax code, is you used to be phased out on your charitable deductions. Um, and, you know, it, you could only go up to like 50% of your adjusted gross income. Now you can go up to 60, which the basic premise of that means you can um, give more to charity and you can deduct more off your tax return now than you could before. So I'm all for that. Yeah, I love this one. It's, it's mm-hmm. encouraging people who are already charitable to do it to an even higher degree and yeah. get benefit from it. So. Now, there's also one that's kind of a unique one, like job expenses and certain miscellaneous tax deductions. And job expenses are things like maybe buying uniforms or union dues, or maybe you use your personal cell phone for your work and they don't reimburse you, but you could deduct it on your taxes. Those are no longer something that you're going to be able to utilize. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about that next year. Now, all these things that they took away... I think for many people are going to be recaptured because your standard deduction doubled. So for a lot of people, it's either a wash or maybe the standard deduction going up is a benefit to them. 
right? So even though these things have gone away, you kind of recovered quite a bit of it in that standard deduction increase. But one of the things that also changed that I think is unfortunate, especially being in the business that we're in, is my understanding is that investment management fees are no longer tax deductible. So that definitely is not friendly to my business. <laughs> I think there's a couple of different things out there um, regarding that and tax CPA preparation, fees things are like no that. Longer tax deductible. Mm-hmm. Yep, things like that. So some of those fees not being there, I think, are unfortunate. Although I'm 100% sure all of the fees that anybody pay us are totally worth it. <laughs> you just can't deduct them on your taxes anymore. So... All right, now let's talk a little bit about the um, child tax credit. So before, when you had children, the tax credit you would get. So credit, again, is different than a deduction. A credit means that you actually get to take this money off of the tax amount that you owe. But the child tax credit was $1,000. And in the new law, the child tax credit is increased to 2000 So I think that's a fantastic increase, especially for people when you have kids. Kids are expensive, and the more deductions we can get for them, the better. So I think that's a fantastic one. Um, All right. I want to talk a little bit about what are some of the um, opportunities that can be found within the new tax code for people, because there are some interesting things that happen that are an opportunity for people to take advantage of. Okay. So one of them is that 529 college plans have expanded uses now. And I think this is probably the most broadly based opportunity for people to understand out there. And I think this is excellent. So it used to be that you could only use 529, and 529 plans are tax-favored, college-oriented investments, but it used to be that you could only use them for college, for that, that upper education. And now, this new tax code allows you to use up to $10,000 a year for elementary and secondary school tuition. So any of you that are sending your kids to private school or to like a religious school, a Catholic school, anything like that, you now have the opportunity to utilize that 529 money up to this limit for those years too. I think that's a wonderful advantage. And let me tee it up to you where you can really take advantage of this, okay? If your state that you live in has a deduction on your state taxes for the money that you contribute to a 529, then running the tuition that you're paying through your 529 gives you an immediate tax deduction, right? You're paying that tuition anyway. So if you take, let's say, your $8,000 a year school tuition and you put it into the 529 and you immediately take it out of the 529 and distribute it to your school, you now have... um, allows yourself to get a state tax deduction by running it through the 529. And that did not used to be there. So that's a pretty big deal in my book. I'm all for tax deductions when we can find them. And when we compare them with um, school, that's even better. It's like a (laughs) win-win. It's so expensive. So it's nice to see them, you know, throwing something out there that can help people out that are making that decision. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, Chelsea, um, tell us a little bit about the estate and gift tax exclusion. What's changed there? So this one is pretty big. It 
it permanently doubles the basic exclusion amount for estate and gift tax purposes. So it used to be $5.6 million, and now it's been increased to $11.2 million. So that's big. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, if you have millions and millions and millions of dollars, you can give away a whole bunch more of them, and you don't have to worry about the clawback provisions or the reset provisions or things like that. So if that affects you, your estate planning just got a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of neat. And then another thing I thought was interesting is that the law actually repealed the individual health care mandate. So the Affordable Health Care Act, or Ob Obamacare in the slang term, had a mandate in it that every single American needed to have health care or you would end up having a tax penalty. That mandate has been repealed, and I believe it doesn't start until 2019. But you no longer will have to worry about the tax penalty connected to your health care. All right. One last thing I'm going to mention about this um, is that alimony changed significantly. And alimony used to be that the person paying it could deduct it and the person receiving it had to pay taxes on it. That has been repealed, and now it's the opposite way. So the person paying it is the one that has to pay taxes on it and still give it to the person that's receiving it. So alimony is now tax-free money to the person who's receiving it. That is a pretty big deal. It's only for alimony agreements entered into in 2019 and after. Now, that's my understanding. I don't know about the full legal implications of that, but if you have an existing alimony structure, I don't think it's going to impact you. But going forward, when people structure divorce settlements, that's going to be a pretty big deal. A pretty big deal, I think. So... All right. Well, I think that by listening to all of this, you probably are getting the sense that it would be a good idea to visit with somebody about how these tax reform changes affect you. And so we would encourage anybody to reach out to Kelsey or I and talk about how they affect you personally or connect in with your CPA. And uh, we invite you all to call us and set up a planning appointment so we can help you figure out how this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act actually affects you. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.